0: And when I say the real stories, we'll get to Luke 2 in just a moment. But there's some other things that are connected there. You know, I like the stories that, uh, uh, like this one. She told the story. She said, my husband hated Christmas. Not because he didn't like the story of Jesus. My husband hated Christmas because, now this is a true story. That because of all the commercialism and all that it had turned into, she said one year, I mean, he was always, we had, she said we had boys, and they, he was always coaching soccer or football or baseball or something, so we had a son that was involved in wrestling, and said so one of these, wasn't on the schedule, it wasn't on the typical schedule, but they were set, their team was set to wrestle um, an inner, uh, a wrestling team that came out of an inner city church, and she said when we were there, it was you know our children were they had their uniforms they were just they looked good, but the kids from the the inner city church team they were uh, understandably kind of ragged, they had their tennis shoes on and they didn 't have any headgear or anything the, the things that were supposed to protect and of course uh, the the her team, they just kind of knocked everybody out. And uh, she's sitting there with her husband, the one who said he hated Christmas. It uh, was kind of sad. He said, you know, I, I, it would have been great if they just won at least one of them, the other team. And she got this idea, knowing that her husband hated the various aspects of Christmas. Uh, in November, she went down and ordered a bunch of, of uh, wrestling gear. And then sent it, to this, sent it to this school or this inner city church team. And then she, sent a, she wrote a little note, envelope, a little white envelope, stuck it in the tree. And so, every, and, and so when he opened that up, in your name I've done these things. Because of you I've done these things. And that was a great gift to him. Great gift to him. And every year they, she would figure out something to do like that because that was meaningful to him. And uh, and then, uh, as so many stories go, she lost him to 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 an illness. And she said that year she was barely made it. You know, it was hard to even decorate, hard to put the tree up. But she did the envelope thing. And uh, on Christmas morning, she noticed. There are four other envelopes from her children those are kind of uh, sentimental but true stories that where people you might say are they love each other and think about giving and i can get all sentimental about stuff like that i like the story of the o henry story the gift of the magi you remember that one and uh those touch our hearts because there's giving, there's sincerity. Uh, I remember a story, and I've shared this. I was in the Indian Ocean, Christmas time, and uh, we were on a Navy ship, and, and uh, we weren't, none of us were going to be home for Christmas. We were there, but we had these big bags of mail that just kind of appeared, and somewhere all over across the United States, um, children had made cards out to sailors, and just, we had bags of them. We had a big party that night on the mess decks where the young enlisted men ate, but before that, I I had my my assistant, we took wrapping paper and filled an entire wall and taped all these things up there, all these letters up there, all these little cards. And we had a great meal, the the cooks made steak and lobster and stuff like that, yeah, you can get that out in the, in the ocean. <laughs> you know, when, you, when you own aircraft carriers and, you, and, and big old jets and, and uh, are funded by tax dollars, you could just fly it in, I guess. But, the, but, but that, that night after the dinner, I said, guys, and play the mess before, I said, there are a bunch of notes up here. And away from home, they'd Young men who weren't even married, they'd peel these back. and they'd, Some of them only took one and went back to their quarters just to read the, the notes of children. Others, I was, uh, I was up in the middle of, not, of the night, and I was kind of walking around 2, 3 a.m. I still found young men sitting, taking one card after another reading. Those are some of the stories I like, uh, and that's, those are current things. But the world can be a pretty dark place, can it? It can. I've seen the darkness. I've witnessed. I've experienced the darkness. And at times, and it's against this contrast of, of darkness that the appearance of light is so remarkable and dazzling. It's in that dark place when light shines. Perhaps we see it sometimes in snippets and experiences, in the daily lives of people, when in a place where you didn't expect to see it, you see an act of love, an act of compassion. All right? I say, Pastor, where are you going with this? Stay with me. Compassion, love, shalom. Those are the points of light, so to speak. But let's turn to a bigger picture. Now, that's, that's our world. I've just kind of described very quickly and maybe inadequately our world and some of our experiences. There's a bigger picture. There's a nation that's caught in the grip of spiritual confusion. A nation that's caught in the midst of the bondages of sin and political fear. And I turn to Isaiah 9. We read that earlier, but I want to read portions of it now. Isaiah 9, he says, but there will be no more gloom for her who was in in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with, with, with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea. On the other side of the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, I always wonder, what in the world was he talking about, Galilee of the Gentiles? If you, if, if, you, if, you read this, if you read the scriptures, you'll know that somewhere in the 8th century B.C., Assyria came down, and this was all because of their sin. Assyria came down, and they took the ten tribes of Israel out of there. Just took them out, and repopulated it with with non-Jews, Gentiles. And even though over the years they tried to kind of force things back, it was always kind of a mixed community. Galilee of the Gentiles. The Jews, in a sense, had kind of given it up. But God was saying, it's still mine. And these people are still mine. The people, he says, who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. He shall multiply the nation. You shall shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of, of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, a rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of, uh, of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in a battle tumult, a rope cloaked, uh, rolled in blood, will be, will be for burning fuel for the fire. Now, this is a strange thing. This next part. is mean, almost, in my mind as I read this, it, how can this even be connected? But it, but it is, he says, for... And then from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Such was the case. Now, this, this was prophesied, this was prophesied of Israel and this part of the land, years and years before the coming of Christ. But God knew what he had in mind, had in store. He knew that that, that these people, his people, were living in a place of darkness. Just like today. Jesus said that if you commit sin, you're a slave to sin. But I I want you to know that, and and perhaps that when we don't have Christ in our hearts, we don't see. We don't understand. In a a sense, our eyes are dark. We can't see the truth. But I want you to know that doesn't play well when you tell people that they're in spiritual bondage. That they're blind. Because the truth is, is, when you're in that position, you don't know it. You don't know what you can't see. You understand? I found in my youthfulness that that didn't sit well with people when you told them, well, you're spiritually blind. It simply is. It simply is. Because Jesus, the light of the world, He is the one who shines. And let's just see. Such was the case, the world into which Jesus was born. You know, the history was something like this. I mean, Herod was king. But the Romans dominated and ruled the empire. And, 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 and easily the people could have said, where is the God of Israel who promised that, that we would live in a land flowing with milk and honey? Where is the God who delivers, who saves, who, de- who, who, who makes things all right? And all they look around is that there's a, there's a soldier on every corner, that they don't have their own own life, their own world. And, and, and there was as many as, religiously, there was at, at least as many as six or eight different jewish sects that we're all vying for powers and we're right we're right we're right kind of like today isn't it kind of like today spiritual confusion bondage both physical and spiritual yet there was a longing (laughs) I'm fond of the saying that we change we're willing to change when we learn enough or we hurt enough. Yeah? You got it. We're willing to give our lives to Him. We're willing to, to move in a new direction when we learn enough or hurt enough. Most of the time, it's when we hurt enough. D- S- sin stinks, guys. A life of sin stinks, it hurts. It hurts. You know, the Scripture tells us, and, and, and for all of our, our young people who might be just kind of like playing, I mean, they know Christ, they know the way, but they're, they're tantalized with all the things that are out there. This statement is true, that there's pleasure in sin for a season, but the end is destruction. That statement is simply true. There's pleasure in it for a season, for a, for a little while. Then you wake up with death and pain and sorrow. God would have you not go through that. Does that make sense? Can anybody say, yes, that's true? Amen. That's true. That's true. And, and as, as, your, as your parents in Christ, they'll look out over you saying, you know, we don't want you to go through that. Just turn to God. Turn to Jesus. But here is the world. Yet in the middle of all of this stuff, nationally, there was this longing, and there's always a longing when you hurt enough. Oh, that things would be different. Oh, that God would deliver me. Oh, that God would make things different in my life. All right? Anybody ever thought that way, felt that way? I have. And there was a longing, not only individually but collectively, kind of like that same longing when, when the Israelites were in Egypt for four hundred years. The Bible tells us that God heard the cries of His people. Know this, yeah. I would never, I would never have difficulty. I'd never, you know, I would never want people to go through difficult times. But tell you, but but on the other hand, I know that sometimes it takes a difficult time for us to be ready and willing to accept the right change. Understand? So, if, if, in the, if in the long run, God, God, do what you will. Do what you will in my child's life. Do what you will in, in my friend's life. Only let the last chapter be about Redemption. Let the last chapter, somewhere, 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 that the last chapter or the next chapter would be about redemption and turning and enjoying the freedom and the joy that comes in Christ Jesus. Galatians, the fourth chapter, and I didn't give you this one. My wife will, I'll pay for this later. In the fourth chapter, it simply says this. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. I just want to focus on, you know, here's this world out there. It's a mess. It's a place of darkness. Sometimes we don't see it. We don't see it because our own deeds are dark. We don't see it. And then God turns the lights on. God turns the lights on. And we see His life. And we, see his, we see our own sin. When the time came in Israel, this, politically it was a mess. They were under the rule of, the, uh, of governors who, who basically were, were flunkies for the Roman, Roman Empire. They're, they were religiously torn and diverse. The people who ran their ch- their churches can I use it that way. Their synagogues, their temple they they were they, you know it's like they were more interested in the money exchanging and all the other things that went on. Were were more interested in key. It was another kind of bondage. You understand that the that the religious people at the time kept the the you know they 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 would look at look at folks like us and say, well those are just, they're just sinners. They're non. They're not. They're not not players in this. So even then, there was this longing. There was this longing for something that they had read about in Scripture. A Messiah for unto us a child is (laughs) born, And the government will be upon His shoulders. Peace forevermore. These are the kinds of things they had read and said, Oh, when will this take place? When will this happen? How will this, how, how will this take place? And there was a longing because they were hurting. Now a decree. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quir- Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the, city, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were com- completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, all who who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds but Mary treasured these things and pondering them in her heart the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as it had been told them now I guess we can talk about the players if I have time to do that Joseph I heard a sermon late, earlier in the year. I think it was by Chuck Green. I think he, he called Average Joe. <laughs> Something like that. Guy who just kind of like plotted along. In fact, he said, look, if you ever want to know what, how Joseph looked at, at theology and life, go to the book of James. James was his son also. Solid, steady kind of guy. Probably never elected to an, an office. Probably never uh, lived further beyond what, what you saw him. I mean, he did go to Egypt and all those things, but God chose him because he could trust him. And even when uh, he, 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 even when he recognized that his betrothed was pregnant, And had reason, had reason, had legal reason to put her away, he listened to God. Even though the rest of the community didn't hear this word, the angel said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. For that which is conceived of her is by the Holy Spirit. What a dream that must have been. The, the, the scriptures say he didn't just kind of like, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to No, nah, he was good. Mary, a child herself, probably about 14 years old, and an angel came to her and said, guess what, you're going to have a child. And she said, okay. I don't know, I've not known a man. He said, the, God will overshadow you. And the Holy Spirit will conceive in you, child, and he'll be, can I, can, I, can I paraphrase this and say, he'll be different. It's not just any child. They'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know. <laughs> Some of you have dreams and you relate them to me. And I have dreams and I don't pay much attention to my dreams. But I've never had a dream like that to act on that. Amazing, amazing. And quietly, as she became, you know, wouldn't you know it, The government's going to do something to mess things up. Guess what? You've got go to go the, to, the, to, the to your hometown. There's a census. It's, a, it's probably a taxation census. I don't know. And it's there that she had the child. Had the child. Okay? We don't hear a whole lot. No, there's more. I mean, there's Simeon. There's, what was the little lady's name later on in the scripture there? They were there in the temple. Yeah, that's right. God revealed to them who this baby was. 30 years later, approximately 30 years later, Jesus began his ministry. But the crack in the, the crack in the seam was created that morning that Jesus was born. We sang the song, and it's been on my mind all week long. Hope was born this night. In a very dark place where men and women and nations were twisted up with religious fervor and sin and pain God came God came in the form of a child not not uh, in in uh, wasn't born in a, in a castle wasn't born in a palace he was born to folks like you and me maybe just everyday people and his Bed was a feeding trough. This is that Mary pondered these things in her heart. She probably had no idea how to get her head around all this. Had no idea. Just said, well, okay, accept it, go on. But later on we see that when he began his ministry, we see her poking her head in a little bit here and there. Remember the wedding of Cana? She looked at the servant and said, just do what he tells you. She already knew this man. She watched him grow. Now, the world is a very dark place, isn't it? It can be a very dark place. Sin is what makes it dark. Sin blinds the eyes, corrupts the mind, and ultimately enslaves us if we embrace it. This was an entire world, entire entire nation in slavery and in bondage. God had a plan, and He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world. Now, today, let me just kind of pull this together. Musicians. Musicians. pull this together for you. I know Christmas season is a time when we, we, just, we just almost go full bore, don't we? Dinners, decorations, we love it, don't we? I, I love, this, I love the, the things that we've decorated with the candles, all of these things that, that just make it, at least for me, make it special. The music's different. We get together with friends. We send cards. We, we, perhaps we connect with being a military guy, retired military guy. This is probably the one time a year that I connect with the, with probably a, a 80, 90 souls that have nothing to do with our church here. People that I knew in Guam. People that I knew in Europe. People I knew in California. And that's, that's just, but, so we do special things at this time of year. Children are looking forward to gifts underneath the tree. And sometimes Jesus gets, even for a believer, sometimes Jesus gets eclipsed by all the other things that we do. I don't want this to just to be a remember Jesus sermon, okay? But an acknowledgment that the freedom that he brings, the light that he brings in this dark place in the world can be had by you. Many people have already experienced it. Read a testimony this week. Somebody coming from, from darkness to light, Because of Jesus. She'll have a chance to to share that with you, but the chains have fallen off. Jesus came so that you would not have to die in sin, Jesus came so that you could see the truth and understand the truth and live in truth. Jesus came so that he could replace the ashes of sorrow with a garland of joy and praise. Are you tired of living the way you live? Are you tired of kind of like just in that world and you said, you're like me, I, I remember so many years, i I just done so much, I said, I'm going to give God a shot because this is not working. Jesus is that shot. And you won't be disappointed. Are you tired of living kind of like one foot in the world, one foot in church? Come all the way over. Repent. Turn away. Turn away. Turn away from sin. I want you to know if you don't, it's not going to end well. I've been there, It's, it's ugly. Light of the world, he stepped out into a place of darkness. And he opened my eyes so that I could see. Remind you of a song? It represents why Jesus came. Stand with us. Stand with us. No, it's okay. I want to give you a chance this morning if you've never given your heart to Christ. Or if you have, but you haven't been living for Him. You've got one foot in the world and your heart's there. And and living for Jesus, trying to live for Jesus is really miserable because you're not really. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to say that there's another way, that there's a light that God will, will cause his light to shine in you. He will remove your sin in Jesus' name. He'll give, he will make this Christmas, this season, meaningful to you. I remember even as a young man, I, I came to a place of longing. Seems like every Christmas I was either drunk or stoned high. I don't know what I was thinking. But I finally came to a place that said, "I I don't want that for me anymore. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I could not pull myself out of that. I couldn't pull myself out. Only Jesus could. And when I surrendered my life to Him, He pulled me out of that. Light of the world, you stepped down into the darkness of my life. And you you opened my eyes. And you set me free. You forgave me my sins. You cleansed me. You gave me a hope and a joy that's unspeakable. Indescribable. If you're anything like that today. If you're anything like that today. I want you to pray with me this prayer. And you want it in, I'm, I'm saying if you want, if you want light in your life, if you want Jesus in your life, I want you to pray with me this prayer. He'll hear you. He will know that you're serious. And he'll answer that. And it'll be a, a step by step. He will change your life. Pray with me this prayer. If, you're, if that's you. Anywhere in that anywhere in that story, or your story's a little different, but. But you know what I'm talking about. Pray with me this prayer. Close your eyes, please. Bow your heads all across this auditorium and pray with me this prayer, either out loud or to yourself. Jesus, forgive me my sins and bring me light. I want to serve you. I'm tired of the world, I'm tired of sin. And I'm tired of the life of sin. You died so that I wouldn't have to die. So I accept you as my Savior. Lead me now. Lead me in the life that you want me to live. I pray this with all my heart. Amen. We're going to worship. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship. If you've prayed that prayer and you're sincere and you have the courage and you want to come down, stand with me for a moment or two while I speak to you about your next steps. Might be a a moment of rededication. Might be an initial salvation. Doesn't matter. As we worship, as the congregation worship, nobody's looking at you. They've already been on this trail. They're rooting for you. (laughs) They're rooting for you. They're rooting for you today. If you will, come come, come and pray with me as we worship.